BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Freckled Foodie and Friends, a podcast focused on making healthy living approachable, hosted by yours truly, Cameron Rogers. Hello, everyone. We are at Samsung 837. I have finally recovered from my cold and sound like a normal human. And I'm here with Brandon Bryant from Wall Street Paper. (laughs) Hello. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me on. And I'm so excited. This is our first time actually meeting. Yeah. So I was fortunate enough to see Brandon on a panel for um, Activate Social Summit event. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed your story. I thought you brought something different to the table. And, you know, I'm always trying to get both genders on here because it's Great. really easy to just get a ton of females because that's my demographic. Well, easy for you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's easy for me. Um, but I really want to make sure I'm t- telling, like, all sides of the story. And Great. just, you know, spreading the knowledge of both genders. And do you know Camus and the team at Activate? No. Well, not him. That's Camus not who I spoke the, with. The CEO. She's okay. a woman. No, I, not her. Who you, that's a you very should cool have. Name. I should yeah. have her on here. Yeah. Okay, next guest. Thank you. <laughs> She's doing best. a lot of podcasts. They oh, actually, is she? They actually just uh, reached out to me about a podcast. I told them January seems like the best idea, but they're starting yeah. one. So they're, oh, wow, they're interested. That's interesting. Okay. I know it's the one of the best part about meeting people and having them on here is then they have so many ideas of people I should have and like such a broad network of people. And it's mm-hmm. all about network. It will build itself. Exactly. I agree. Um, so to kick things off, mm-hmm. how would you define success? First and foremost, starting that before you even ask anyone who they are and what they are. Like, that's really cool and, and really different. So I thank you for that. Yeah, I love um, it. I was talking to um, my girl last night about that. And I was like, I asked her, what does she think? Yeah. And she, like I think a lot of other people do, she just rambled on yeah. about <laughs> all these details. Yeah. And I asked her just because I was curious what she was going to say. Because in my mind... I had exactly like a very short line Mm -hmm. and I was like, wow, like a lot of people don't know what success is, which is probably why they don't know what they're doing a lot of times. So for me, success is, and this has taken me a long time to get here, is living to work instead of working to live because most people have to work just to live. Yep. A a line share of all of the world. Mm Mm-hmm. And some people are lucky just to be able to work to live. Some people yeah. can't even work to live. Mm-hmm. But when you can live to actually do your work, you can start using things as tools. Yes. Right? Like so like money, your audience, mm-hmm. relationships, um, like financial opportunities. Yeah. And you get to make the decision. Mm-hmm. And that's called leverage. Which is huge. Yeah. <laughs> so I think 
that's when or like that's almost brings you to like increased earning power and like financial independence. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's when you get to success where you literally can live and then you can work. Yeah. Instead of literally people are busting their backs, mm-hmm. having their self-worth cut up and everything that they do at this employer. Yeah. This is not even your dream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're busting your back. Your self-worth is caught up in here. And as the correction or the f- whatever financial situation that happens yeah. o- over these next few years, you will no longer have that job. Or period, you're a millennial. So you're going to have four to five yeah, jobs. Exactly. <laughs> so you being caught up in this little one, mm-hmm. not the best idea. So I would say for folks who can really live their life, mm-hmm. enjoy the ideas and the talents that they have, bring those things to fruition and then share those experiences with the people that they care about. Yep. You're you're in a successful space. Yes. And I don't <laughs> think it necessarily means that you're, you know, maybe the best of the best or you're working for yourself. You could still be working for a corporation. It's just what's in it's, here. Exactly. It's you figure out what your talents are and you put them to the best use. Yeah, what your talents are, what are the things that you are like interested in mm-hmm. uh i was listening to a podcast on the way here about we're not really strangers what podcast was it uh it was a podcast called group chat it's okay three guys who um are in the fashion space we're in the investing space and they had a group chat where they just send a lot of articles oh, about the news and stuff and then they say hey podcast starting yeah a lot yeah. of people in that side note group chat in terms of like a group chat is how harlem capital started really so in my head People talk about really cool things all the time Mm -hmm. or showcase really cool things or write really cool things, and they never let anyone experience it with them, which is why all these ideas continually die, which is why people probably just feel terrible all the Mm -hmm. time. (laughs) And then when they see someone else do it, they're all mad. Yeah, exactly. There's so (laughs) much jealousy. And the jealousy is all like, I should have done whatever should have. And finding that it's always twenty twenty. It is, and it, I think it's also like a mentor of mine. It's funny at Soho House before mm-hmm. I was here. He told me this like a year ago. Um, he said, "You know, scar tissue. When you have scar tissue, these are like marks that remind you of like whatever experience you've been through." Mm-hmm. And he was talking about it from a business perspective. He crushed it in his first company, and then that company went bankrupt and went bankrupt publicly. Okay, <laughs> but he started five companies after that. Yeah, but his takeaway was that you can't fall through the floor. Mm-hmm. So if you hit rock bottom, great. There's only upward to go. So, I mean, it's just, it's it's interesting, but we're not strangers. I'm not sure if you know about that game. I don't. It's like, a, it's a, an amazing uh, young woman. I think she's like 24 years old. And when she was younger, she took a lot of pictures of strangers and would mm-hmm. ask them questions. Okay. Eventually, when she got older, she was still doing it for fun. And then she like she lives in L.A., so she was pitching a producer about bringing this idea to life. And the best idea was to have strangers ask them these questions. And then she turned it into a card game, and now it's like the new card game. How do I not it's know about the, this? It's the reverse of Cards Against Humanity. Okay. Basically. Which is a great game. Right. And it's like a game for people who just meet, especially like if they're like interested in being intimate yeah, to get to say, know each other. They should like match up with a Tinder yeah. or something. Well, she's, she's now starting to partner with Bumble. Perfect. She's also partnering she's with. She's ahead of me, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. She, she's Bumble, got discovered. She's got Bumble. She's got a few other people that she's partnering with. But she, the cards are out and I think she's going to start doing like digital series on YouTube. But she was like the boyfriend. Her boyfriend is one of the podcast hosts. Oh, okay, got it. So the cool thing you're talking about, it's easy to get women in the room for you. Yes. Like it's it's honestly not for men to mm-hmm. get women in the room 
having a strong relationship already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that men just need to work on. Yeah. Um, but, but also both sides. Men need to work on it. Women need to be maybe – I mean, yeah, the, if the men work on it first, then the females will probably yeah, be a little bit more it would trustworthy be way and receptive. <laughs> yeah, but it's interesting because most of the podcasts I listen to are males, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I try, like, I, I know that is my fact, too. Yeah. Because it's just like, guys love to talk about business. Mm-hmm. I don't know why we love to do it. So I listen to a lot of business podcasts led by men. But interesting, like, if you think about Morning Brew, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Morning Brew. I that, think I've heard of it. It's a cool newsletter that yeah. comes out about finance. And they've just hit their millionth um, subscriber, if you yeah. will, to the newsletter. And then they, they put out uh, a podcast. Podcast led, mm-hmm. is led by a woman who's, like, the editor-in-chief. So she's super dope. And then TechCrunch, their podcast is led by a woman. Yeah. Forbes has a new podcast led by a woman. So I was like, wow, I am so pumped to now get opportunities. Yeah, and it brings a different side. The lens is crazy. It's just like things that you're not thinking about on both ends of the spectrum. You're not thinking about Mm -hmm. certain aspects of life that the other gender is thinking about the second they wake up. Yeah, and you just don't see life through their eyes. And so, for example, the we're not really strangers. Mm -hmm. As soon as I hear that. I sent it to my girlfriend. Yeah. She's like, I've been following this account for a whole year. <laughs> and exactly. So she already knows all this yeah, shit. Yeah. And her friends yeah. put her on to it. And uh, just even like another side note for Harlem Capital, like I, I source a lot of awesome entrepreneurs. Yeah. And we write checks between 250 to a million dollars into their business. All my best companies that I've sourced are all women led. Yeah. I mean, there are many statistics talking yeah. about the power of a female leader, but. And they're crushing it. Yes. While we're talking about Harlem Capital, can. Mm-hmm. We this is probably the longest I've gone into a show without actually f- yeah. introducing who you are. I am purely which I love. Stop letting me talk. No, it, <laughs> it, it, it's me. I can, also, I can so go on. Um, can you give us your quote unquote elevator pitch mm-hmm. of what you do, what Wall Street Paper is? Also, talk about Harlem Capital. Yeah, I'll do the pitch, and then maybe I'll go into a little bit of the background. Yeah, obviously, yeah. we're going to get into the background too. Don't worry. Awesome. So I, I spend my time on two companies. Mm-hmm. Company number one is Wall Street Paper. That's like, um, just like business and culture through an entrepreneurial lens. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it originally started as fashion, and I was on Wall Street and etc. And I got into um, from streetwear, I got into custom clothing and things of that nature and started a blog. Within three months, the blog took off, was in GQ magazine the fourth month, wow. quit my 12th month. So so you were doing this while you were – what were you doing in finance? So I was an investment banker. Okay. So from so Cleveland, went to Ohio State, um, interned with a few of my homies, and mm-hmm. then we all moved to New York together. And I worked at Bank of America. Okay. I was in leverage finance and debt capital markets. Yeah. And uh, just hated my life for those, like, two and a half, three years. It's also the worst years to be an investment banker, the analyst. Yeah. It is You're just everyone's bitch. You are everyone's bitch. But the the cool thing about it is if you bypass all these things, like I was saying earlier, and you understand the tools Mm -hmm. that you can be given, the relationships, um, even just the atmosphere of, like, hey, buddy. Yeah. (laughs) I understand you're sick. I understand your mom's in town. I understand it's your girlfriend's birthday, but no one cares. No one cares. No one cares about any, <laughs> no anything one when it comes to that. No one cares whatsoever. Yeah. I want my work done mm-hmm. yesterday, if not the week before. Yeah. And if you can do that, you can literally go do whatever you want. It creates an insane, <laughs> insane work ethic. 
I was mm-hmm. in sales and trading, so mm-hmm. the different aspect of the world. And that's where I interned. Sales and trading, oh, and then I didn't... went into banking because I thought oh sales gosh. and trading was going to, I was going to fall through the floor. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel that way if I had done investment banking. So that's very interesting. Um, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. Then there were parts where, I, you know, I started to realize I didn't care about it as much. And that's when I eventually quit after five years. But it created a work ethic that cannot mm-hmm. be described. You, and so that work excuses ethic. Excuses don't exist. Exactly. Excuses don't exist. So I took that work ethic into, so people talk about nine to fives. Mm-hmm. Think about your five to nine or your five to two. Yeah. Outside of work. Unfortunately, I didn't have a, five, a nine to five at banking. You work until almost 12. Yeah. So I would just use the weekends and I would also use any time I can get off early. And mm-hmm. I had, I worked on 42nd and 6th. So there was a Mexico right around the corner. Yeah. And I would have all my business meetings at that Mexico. Oh, perfect. Um, so it was, it was super interesting, super cool. Ended up quitting, did a creative agency um, or worked at a creative agency mm-hmm. for a year just to understand marketing. Because... Uh, a lot of uh, companies started to reach out to me after I started to scale the business. So you quit to learn more, not to necessarily do Wall Street paper full time. I quit to do, so here's the funny thing. Everyone wants to know about social media still. Mm -hmm. This was 2014 going into, or 2015 going into 16. I had a mentor that I Mm -hmm. stayed in touch with. So people, mentors, colleagues, mentees, I always say spend 33% uh, 33 of your time with each. So it's the 33% rule. Okay. Spend 33% of your time with mentors. They're going to help you see around corners, et cetera. Yeah. Relationships, great. Colleagues, people you can actually be truthful with. Mm-hmm. Learn from and not feel like super competitive. Yeah, too lay it all out there. Have the yeah. conversations, like all that. Exactly. Feel normal. Mentees, you can actually teach somebody. One, mm-hmm. you're passing it down and you're paying it for it. But two, if you can teach somebody something, then that means you actually know it. I really like that. And I'm very much struggling with mentors right now just mm-hmm. because I feel like there's so many people I look up to, but I don't have personal relationships with mm-hmm. them. And, you know, I totally jumped industries and I had so many great mentors mm-hmm. in my first. They can still, which be, can your still mentors. be my mentor. I sure those older folks, yeah. I'm assuming they're older. Yes. They have quite a few friends in whatever industry. You're no, in. I totally agree. <laughs> but it's an interesting concept. And I always joke, I don't, maybe you did this at Bama also, mm-hmm. but. There used to be these like assigned mentor mentee things. Yeah. And I hated the assignment of it because you were like walking around and be like, Are you you know that book, Are You My Mom? <laughs> that like childhood book. It's yeah. like, Are you my mentor? Are you my mentor? So I think it has to be more of an organic thing. It but does. I think it can totally help grow a business. But use your underrepresented opportunity. Yeah. So for me it's like your mentors are automatically any black people who've been there longer than three years. For mm-hmm. that's mentally <laughs> that was it. Oh yeah. You're an associate, you're V P, you're M D. Okay. You're mm-hmm. obviously helping me out. Yep. Um so I took that and the cool thing about mentors is when you leave an industry and your mentors are employees somewhere and you become an entrepreneur and you start to like do well, mm-hmm. you just move right up to being exactly. colleagues. Yep. <laughs> and then you gotta find then you get to that other spot where you gotta find newer mentors. mentors. In that space. Um, and then I think those people end up just becoming like they're just colleagues who have done things you've done, done things you wanted to do. Yeah, that's true. Which is cool because now you don't feel um, just lower in that in that rank. Mm-hmm. Uh, so back to the story. I know I, I told you you let me talk. I can I can chat forever. Same. So don't worry. Um, I quit banking because a mentor of mine who I've been staying in touch with wanted to find out how he can 
pivot his business from a direct marketing shop. So literally mailers. Mm-hmm. And then he started using like uh, Viners. This is when Vine was still around. He hired a Viner, paid the Viner like 10, 20, maybe $30,000 to be in a commercial. That was mm-hmm. basically the mailer, but a commercial. And it was for, um, it was for one of these, uh, I guess it was just like for a dish. Okay. For a dish or for whatever company is serving mm-hmm. up your cable. And he was like, yo, I really want to get into influencer marketing. So he hired me for a year. Got it. And throughout that year, he didn't, he needed to put his foot in either two feet, either in the direct mail or in the social media. He had one in each mm-hmm. and the business kind of like warped out of control. I no longer had a spot there. Mm-hmm. So I went full time with WSP, Got it. Wall Street Paper, found an agent Pitched the agent to that I'm way more than fashion. I can do automobiles. I can do mm-hmm. spirits. I can do financial services. I could do this. And she only managed women bloggers and mommy bloggers. Mm-hmm. Somehow she believed in this like snotty nose black kid from Wall <laughs> Street. And she took me on. Three years later, you know, we're doing incredible professional speaking, commercial work, print, et cetera. Uh, she says, I, I forgot how much her roster is now. It's probably like 20 to 30. Mm-hmm. I am the most aggressive um, talent on her Yeah, well, that's also the work ethic that you – Yeah. I, I totally believe it. She's like, you let me price you as, as aggressively as you, you want me to. Yeah. You push back all the time. You do this. You help us like create new um, services and mm-hmm. products for our other clients. I'm like, yeah, because like we, we got to continually move to the, to the course, forefront. Of course. We can't stand still. Um, and at the same time, doing that, uh, all my colleagues that I interned with, who I now live with and also had worked with, uh, we had a group chat where we sent like, hey, here's where we're going to be hanging out this weekend. Here's a, a new spot to open mm-hmm. up in the neighborhood. Here's a news article that I was looking at. I'm curious what you yeah. guys think about it. And then eventually it was like, hey, one of our colleagues quit and is now at B-School and they're starting this company. Well, that's the thing. It's when we <laughs> hit that age where all of our friends go to business school, all of a sudden – there are 10,000 new companies mm-hmm. that you know about that are getting created. It's insane. And your friend, it, and it's a New York thing. Because the New totally York thing was like, thing. did you see this article? Did you see yeah. a new spot that opened up? And I was like, yo, my friend started this. Yeah. And so we took a liking in this group chat. We took mm-hmm. a liking to, or we just looked at small business, real estate, startup. Okay. Small business and real estate was really tough to scale, especially with the small dollars that we had. Yeah. And it was just not interesting. It wasn't growing as fast. Well, also in New York, it's a total crapshoot. It's a crapshoot. It's just crazy expensive. So for the tech startup side, we're like, hey, let's let's find out. Here's where a lot of generational wealth is going to change, mm-hmm. this technology space. As we started looking, we didn't see any people of color or women. We're like, yeah. where are the people who look like us? Yeah. We dug in on the, the like metrics and the industry, and we saw that $131 billion went to venture just last year. Mm-hmm. Less than three percent went to people of color and women combined. Wow! Yet we're seventy plus percent of the population. So you're telling me seventy plus percent of the most amazing country in the entire world mm-hmm. is getting three percent of the opportunity for the newest technology, services, for products the for the future. And they are the future. They're already here. Yeah. So we said, Yo, let's let's focus here. This mm-hmm. is where no one's looking. This is where no one wants to build at. And all the people who look like us who are older are in positions where they're cushy. They're making six figures. Maybe they're making seven figures, but they don't want to go anywhere else. Yeah. So we said, hey, we don't have nothing. 
I mean, we got a few dollars and we, we started investing. We invested in six companies, writing mm-hmm. checks between like 15 to 50 between the four of us. Okay. And we use that as a template to start Harlem Capital Fund One. And so our target is $25 million. We're going to be announcing, hopefully very soon, the mm-hmm. details of where we landed, but very well. Yeah. We did very well there, and we're writing checks between 250000 to a $1 million. And is to, all of your money family investment coming from the back end? All the money. So our LPs are all high net worth individuals. Okay. So people who probably have, like I would say, like they're 50 to fifty million yeah. to a billion in, re- in like just put, net worth. Um, I would say it's like conglomerates of family offices. Okay. Uh, I would say we, we have some folks, institutions. So we have an endowment, a state endowment. Oh, cool. We have one university. I was just going to ask if you, because I would think that there are a lot of universities that would like to even, A, I would mm-hmm. hope a lot would like to invest in this type of thing, but yeah. B, a lot would like to say they're investing their endowment. Yeah, a it's a marketing tool both ways, right? Yes. We got to leverage it both ways. Um, and by, and I, I want to be very clear and I want to champion the people people of color and women this is not an impact fund we're not doing this to just like because people don't have opportunities we're doing this because we think these companies are going to have outsized returns Mm -hmm. people of color and women are undervalued and overlooked so it's an asset class that if we invest early we'll reap all the reward so i want to be very clear Whenever you are investing, don't just invest in people of color and women just because it's good and it's like, oh, Philly. I want to say I did this. These mo- these people say work it. hard. You can say it. These <laughs> motherfuckers work hard. We work hard. Yeah. And we don't play games. And we don't like when people play with our money or treat us as if, as if we are lesser. Mm-hmm. And we believe that's a competitive advantage for us. That For black guys, obviously, we're going to attract black people. Yeah. And Latinx. Um, our last hires, we, we had this really cool um, internship. The last, like, seven quarters, we hire five or six people. We had 2,000 mm-hmm. people apply for it. Holy shit. Yeah. 2,000 people apply over the last two years. We've only taken 40. I cannot get hired at Harlem Capital if I wanted to. We have people from Stanford, I Goldman. I this all the time. I've gotten emails of people asking to intern for me. Their resume is like Ivy League Who school, are you? How do you not have GPO. a job? I turned to John. whatever. I said, our child is never going to get a fucking job. These kids are applying to work for me. Like, what is wrong with this world? I, I don't know, but these I people, love anyone that sent me their resume. I'm just they're, saying. They're, they're super enterprising. And I think the cool thing about it, we understood, like, okay, we're diverse. We have four black guys. We're like, no, we're not diverse. <laughs> We need women. And, and the crazy part about it is, like, we just hired two women who mm-hmm. are crushing it. One's at Yale, finishing up at B school. The other one's at Michigan. Unfortunately, I went to I Ohio was State. I say, you had a big win this weekend. Uh, we Pennsylvania. had a great win. and we're gonna, My and, dad's from Ohio. No way. Originally. He grew up in uh, Pennsylvania, but he is originally from Ohio. So we grew Is he up- a big Ohio State fan? Yeah, I mean, yes, he loves the Buckeyes. Better be, I'm He's not someone that like sits down and watches every single game okay. every Saturday. But, he has but gear. he's a Buckeye fan. Okay, he has. Hopefully, oh, he, hopefully, he has. Some, just fell. Hopefully, he has some gear. Um, but yeah, we just hired two women. And to be honest, the women have crushed mm-hmm. all the men who have ever came through our door. And so I don't know what's going on there, but I'm happy about it. I believe it. Um, I'm pumped about it. And so yeah, uh, so Harlem Capital, we focus on in your founding team, co-founders. There needs to be a woman. Or a person of color. The woman can be of any color. Mm-hmm. If you're male, we usually focus on black or Latinx. Okay. Um, and we do 10 deals a year. Um, and we're closing the fund this month. And even though we're just not closing it, we have we have our 10 deals mm-hmm. that we've done. And we're really focused on finding the best companies or the best entrepreneurs out there who are building things that happen to be a person of color 
or a woman. Exactly. It's not just because they are. And is it all tech focused? It's it's uh, upperly mobile startups. Okay. Or like tech enabled startups. So we've invested in uh, female hygiene products, mm-hmm. a company called Untflow. Okay. So she's like Lola. You know Lola? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's D to C. So that's direct to consumer. They sell kind of just like feminine hygiene products mm-hmm. direct to women. Or I assume direct to women. Uh, yeah. But, uh, I don't really think men are yeah, buying yeah. tampons. But these ones are direct to businesses. So there's schools. It's like your Viacom, your Google, your Twitter. Okay. Like So whenever you go into business in their bathroom, these are like free organic tampons. This is hilarious pads. because we always joked at JP they didn't have fucking tampons in the bathroom that were yeah. free. I'm sorry. Tampons should be free. They should be. And it was it's ongoing every you know, we had all these women's groups that in, mm-hmm. you know, every big corporation does. And so we'd all sit down and we're talking about all these things and my coworker, it was an ongoing joke, but to the two mm-hmm. of us, she was always like, Where the hell are the free tampons? Wow. Just get, we're not asking for much. We just want free tampons. Yeah. And so I love Click- that the company is not only focusing on providing I'm companies tampons, you. but also organic and, and she's she's helping legislation in other yeah. states to, to make it free in schools. And so Claire Coder, who's the founder, Columbus, okay. she went to Ohio State. Yeah. She now moved to New York because uh, a lot of businesses are here. Mm-hmm. But she always talks about if paper towels and toilet paper are free, why wouldn't tampons be it free? It makes no sense. And they're me. like one of the more highly taxed yep. um, products when it's you go the to the tax. supermarket. Yeah. yeah. So we invested in that. So mm-hmm. like that's enterprise. So that's like B2B. Uh, we've invested in... Um, a healthcare health tech company mm-hmm. that's like telehealth for folks who are doing physical therapy. Uh, we invest in an e-commerce incubator. So if you think about your Warby Parker and your Harry's and et cetera, mm-hmm. it's hard for those companies to just scale with one product. They need to do multiple products. Yeah. Or you think about Quip. Um, I use that. Right? Me yeah. too. And so, <laughs> I love it. So you're like, this company is creating those things on the fly. They'll mm-hmm. create like eight to ten companies a quarter. And maybe two of them actually work out after they test yep. them. And then they'll launch, they'll just roll with those two. So they'll yep. probably create like between like two to five companies a year. And they'll all do small in revenue, but as a conglomerate, it's like building P&G mm-hmm. or um, like a L'Oreal, et cetera. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. We just invested in uh, – this one's not out. But we just invested in a female-focused or female-skewed self-care app. That a lot of people would know about, but I can't say it because we okay. haven't announced Fair. it yet. We'll talk uh, about but they have like. three million daily active users, or uh, sorry, monthly active users. One point four million daily active wow. users. That's amazing. They have great and investors. The other men, the other three people behind Home Capital, mm-hmm. is this their full time gig? Are they working? Yeah, that's a great question. So there's six people in total now, which okay. is awesome. Two other partners are full-time, Jared and Henri. Mm -hmm. They're the guys who went to B-School, private equity investment banking. You have John Henry and myself. Um, We were like finance guys. Well, I was a finance guy. I quit, became, Mm -hmm. um, got into photography and video. He was, he started a company, exited, started an incubator in Harlem, and then he joined. So we're both kind of like part-time. Okay. Um, And then Gabby and Kelly, who we just hired, they're part-time until they start in June because they, they're, they're so finishing cool. up B-School. So Got there'll it. be four people part-time, two people – four people full-time, two people part-time, and then we'll always have interns every quarter. Yeah. Five to six. Um, one be undergrad. a great place to intern. Yeah. One undergrad. We, we, we like to think that. Um, <laughs> one undergrad, a few MBAs, and then sometimes people who are full-time. And I'm 
30. I'm the oldest at yeah. Harlem Capital. Well, I don't think it's so anymore. When Kelly joins, she might be like 32. But the founders are like yeah. 26, 22 or 28. I'm 30. Our interns are like mad old. Like when you go to B school, <laughs> yeah, you people are like out. five to yeah. seven years mm-hmm. removed, especially if you're like a, a woman or or a person of color, you like double. You don't mm-hmm. just do two years somewhere and go to B school. You do like five to six. Yeah. And then you go to B you school. You build a resume. So going back to Wall Street paper. Mm-hmm. It's interesting you talk about how you're now investing in minority entrepreneurs because, yes, you're a minority being that you're black. But also, it's so funny, I guess, that I find the influencer world is the only world Hmm. that males are also a minority. And I could be wrong. But based on what I see, do you see it differently being a male? Because you probably follow more male accounts. No, I actually don't. I follow women. So here's the interesting thing, I think, about social media in general. When you come to, like, and I say vanity loosely. I'm Mm -hmm. using air quotes. If you think about, like, fashion and entertainment, like, I think it skews more towards women Mm -hmm. um, who participate. Even just, like, retail, buying, purchasing power, right? So I like to follow women bloggers or women influencers because whatever they do first, that's what the men influencers will do two to three years later. True. Right. If you think about like Revolve and you think about uh, something Navy mm-hmm. and you think about um, I like just, we were what we were yeah. what like that may happen for guys like two to three, maybe mm-hmm. four years from now. Whereas like really top tier guys create super solid products, partner with really top tier brands. You have a few of them happening right now, like Marcel from One Dapper Street just partnered with Nordstrom on a shoe collaboration. Mm-hmm. I assume he's not selling anything close to something Navy, who just got funded by one of Michael Kors' first investors. Yeah. Um, or if you think about um, who, We Wore What. Yeah, she Danielle, does like the right? jeans and the well, she just suit. She just raised a ton of money from, uh, it was a... Yeah, for the app. For the new app that helps influencers kind yeah, of take care really of Yeah, it's really smart, their, actually. I did like a test run thing on it. Yeah, I'm actually looking to reach out to the woman from we're not really strangers. Yeah, you should. Because I, I assume she's going to do something soon. So I'm actually, like I was telling you before I yeah. came here on Twitter, I'm like just reaching out to founders. On Instagram, I'm planning to just reach out to, because I don't think any guys are going to do anything great anytime soon <laughs> on influencer side. So I'm reaching out to women influencers because they have the following and they have the audience that's already trained yep. to participate in these because things. Because I will say, and I could be generalizing, but I don't feel males are actively on Instagram viewing yeah. influencer males. YouTube is the spot. If you're a big YouTuber, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter your your um, ethnicity. It doesn't matter your yeah. gender. But if you're on Instagram, women will win. I don't understand when men are yeah. going to win. I don't think it's anytime soon. It, I feel like I just don't think men consume Instagram as much. I mean, my husband isn't even on it. Yeah, we don't no consume interest. it. We don't want to buy straight from there. Yeah. Uh, like you see, we would, who, what, where. I, yeah. I keep, I'm going to get that jumbled We were up. what or whatever. Danielle. Yes. If you see Danielle or you see um, whoever else on there, you're going to be like, I literally want that. Yeah. Guys feel less of that. Guys are, i got to go to the store. I'm going to try, try it on. try it on. Yeah. Girls are like, oh, let me order 20 things, try yeah. it on, ship it all back. Like, I do that all the fucking time. Which is why Stitch Fix was great, created mm-hmm. by a woman, which is why I've written The Runway is crushing it. There's actually a new um, startup called Seasons. Okay. It's out of New York. Uh, 
I believe it's a Latinx and a, a black two male founders who were from StockX and Nike and a few other businesses, mm-hmm. and they're doing streetwear as if it is Rent the Runway. Well, so Rent the Runway does now have like streetwear stuff. Well, it's but this but, one's skewed towards men. Okay, got it. It's, it's skewed oh, towards the people who would be on StockX or Grail. StockX well, or I don't even Goat, know what those things are. StockX and Goat <laughs> are like billion dollar companies, but they only focus on shoes. Okay. In the shoe market, it is the counterfeit situation, or you think about the real, real, the counterfeit situation is just too high. Yeah. Like it's just too wonky, et cetera. So if you focus on clothes and you literally just buy the clothes mm-hmm. from all the retailers early and they're all real, like then you just really have to just keep up with keeping them nice and trust people that they'll return it in a in a decent fashion. So they just raised two point five million from seasons. All right, I'm gonna check season. that out. I'll text it to you. Yeah. Um but that's dope. They just raised the two point five million. Like I'm keeping a very close eye on them. Like I have a ton of relationships in the um fashion space mm-hmm. and investor space. Um and they actually have a dry cleaner in um they have a dry cleaner in the tri state area. And I'm like, yo, I know another dry cleaner in the tri-state area too. <laughs> so anyways, that's that's the cool thing I think about investing is that you can use your background, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. to help whatever team that you're working with get across whatever respective timeline or finish line that they're yeah. that they're working on. But I think I got way away from your initial question. Uh, well, no, my question, <laughs> beca- it's fine. Because my mom texted me one day and was like, Holy shit! I just realized all influencers are female, yeah. and I'm I don't know what many powerful made her think of that. Most powerful influencers, in my opinion, are female because of the way in because of the, the way the audience works. Yes, I find. because of the um, how the audience is trained. Yes, so right? user behavior. Very YouTube. True. It doesn't matter. Like I was saying, like there's guys like. Um, What's his name? MK, MKHD. I don't watch any YouTube. Okay. I'm not. Like, I feel like you're either a YouTube audience person or you're an Instagram audience person. I think you could be both. Like, Instagram. But there are diehard YouTube people. Exactly. Fans. YouTube they, they is. They binge like hours a day. You never. I do not because do that. this is what you do on YouTube. But you're. I'm just not in person with you. I know that's true. But this is literally. And it's literally like this. There's no one else here. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just me and you. And I get to understand all your details. I get to sit on a couch with you. I get to lay in a bed with you. I get to go on a dr- drive with you. I yeah. get to follow you on a plane. I get to check into the hotel with you. I know. Instagram it's, is it's so more like, and it's got yeah. all the like, I'm not sure if you've seen all the new Kanye interviews, but he, he talks a lot about mm-hmm. how, um, <laughs> I <haven't>. <laughs> <laughs> check him out. I love There's, his music. The one lot. from Fast Company might be him. a really good one for you to okay. check out. He just did Fast Company like two or three weeks ago. And he just talks about how apps know and ha- like Angry Birds yeah. knew that users like to do these motions, the up yes. and down finger motions. And that's why Angry, Angry Birds crush it and is also skewed towards women. So you could probably think about the same thing with Candy Crush, like, or like all these other things. So yeah. there's there's ways to understand user behavior and understand why certain groups of people, certain genders, really like certain something. Yeah, um, it's all mind blowing when I really think about it and how you know stereotypes are what they are, but they're they're generalizations. But then you know the statistics follow through. Yeah, people prove things all the time. I think it's. People prove stereotypes yeah. almost too much. Yep. So how do you think you're separating yourself? Because I, mm-hmm. when I follow and look at your account, 
and you mentioned this when I heard you speaking, I do think you're bringing a different aspect to the table in the sense that, you know, you have like, I don't know how many members are on a team that you work with for Mm -hmm. WSP, but it seems like you have videographers, photographers, Mm -hmm. you know, you're bringing much more of a media to the table than here's a selfie I took, which I do all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that the way I'm approaching it, I'm I'm approaching Wall Street paper or I'm approaching media, uh, whether it's on any platform as a production company, Mm -hmm. right? So if you have a production company, you have like head of sales. That's my my agent. She's head of sales. She has relationships. I don't ever sell. People come inbound to me all the time. Great. I send it to her. Mm -hmm. Or she's already going outbound, reaching out to people for me. So you have sales and then you have like the production capability. So I have a videographer who's on retainer who can scale up a team to 10 whenever we need to. Mm -hmm. So that's project by project basis. I have a photographer who's usually, he might be going over to retainer, but he's on project by project. Um, And I have like two or three photographers who I like really like to work with. Yeah. And then I have a creative director who works at a marketing agency who likes, people love to make side hustle money. So if you're extremely talented at whatever you do, or you you know someone who's extremely talented, they will be more than willing to get paid 50 to 100 an hour for Mm -hmm. their time. Yeah. So creative strategist who does that. Um, and then I had um, a guy who, like, is more of a designer in, like, After Effects and video. He's also, like, someone I use part-time. And then I can, like, reach out to do... Yeah, and you see what you need for each project. Yeah, I can reach out to do other things whenever I need to. Like, I have a sound team. There's a mm-hmm. guy who literally, like, does sound for the Players' Tribune. He does sound for all the top, like, publishers. Yeah. And he also loves to make money on the side. Yeah, I mean, ha- people love it. Yeah. I was doing it. At JP, and I didn't need to, but yeah. I loved it. And and I think here's the other thing here. As you start creating content, you have to position yourself like that to your yes. clients or to your partners. So if your partner wants to pay you money, you're like, oh, excuse me, just letting you know, here's the quality of the people on the team. Mm-hmm. So one, the quality of the content should be higher. But two, the turnaround might be a little bit longer because there's more hands and there's more strategy and and there's more specificity here. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also, these people need to get paid. Need to get paid. When did you decide, once you took WSP Mm full-time, at one point were you realizing that you needed other people to then help you? Because I think that's the hardest part for people, especially in the influencer quote-unquote world, because a in the beginning, you're usually not making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So you're scrappy with your money. Yeah. You want to save as much as you can. You don't want to pay other people, to be totally frank. Right. You're like, oh, I can do that. <laughs> then there hits a point where money is equivalent to time. Yep. And at what point is your time worth more than potentially losing money by paying someone? Because in the end, sure, you might be paying money out, but you're gaining in the end. Yeah. So I think it's an interesting hmm. – I'm just hitting that point. Mm-hmm. Where I'm starting to have people assist me. Congratulations! Thank you so much. Pat yourself on the back. It's been really hard for me to let go of things. Um, mm-hmm. This podcast was the first thing that really taught always me. Let go. I need to <laughs> have. People. That's one takeaway. Always let go, folks. Yeah. So I have someone, Tim, the man you just met, edits my show, and then I have someone named Shay. She does all of now like my show notes and all of that because it was taking me six hours to do stuff like. Editing a show that I'm not going to ever be an AV person. Like, yep. I don't, I wanted to learn how to do it. And <laughs> then I realized this isn't my passion. There's someone that can do this in a tenth of the time, a way better way. And I am, I wanted to jump in so many times there, but yes, I was like, you sorry, know, go. No. no, but I was like, 
these nuggets, first and foremost, people just need to learn to not jump in. I'm working in, on it. <laughs> period, right? Um, so I'm, I'm working on that too. But everything you described were just like huge pain points, but also learnings and experience mm-hmm. from being a founder, mm-hmm. right? And just because you're not like the tech startup person who's raising $2 million or tens of millions doesn't mean that you can't learn from that space. So I had the luck to be able to learn from that space on why founders were running into trouble and running into brick walls and not being able to get over them is because they wanted their hands on everything. Yep. And your job, in my opinion, as a, you need to move from founder to CEO, a founder, this is their baby. They don't want anyone else touching it. Wait two months because it has to get its shots. And then once it gets its shots, maybe you can come around and see it. And yeah, maybe exactly. Like, no, like, for real. Right? But you should be like the CEO. The CEO comes in like, yo, I give no fucks. Mm-hmm. This thing needs to run like a well-oiled machine. My job is to paint the vision, to paint the picture, and to be freed up to do what I'm best qualified at. Yes. So is that means I need to find a CTO or I need to find an AV person. I need to find a videographer or photographer. Mm -hmm. They need to jump on and grab this vision. And then I'm paying them not to do what I say, but to tell me what to do. Because here's the vision. Here's the vision, bro. Here's your vision, sis. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me what I need to do from your skill set to get to this vision? And I want you to take autonomy and want you to have ownership. Yeah. And if you do that to people, and I want to help build and connect you and what have you, I understand the world is a revolving door. You won't be here forever. Yeah. So I wanted to make this one of the best work experiences possible. And I think that really garners uh, a different level of like execution and work from your workforce. Mm-hmm. And when you can start doing that, like that's when you can start to scale. That's when you start having less stress. That's when you can dodge decision fatigue yo so real so i have it so i used to have like mental breakdowns deciding what to order for dinner because by the end of the day I, the you end of the day, shot up it's what my husband and i used to fight about the most what the fuck to order dinner it is so yeah. ridiculous to say but by the end of the day i couldn't even think and about you don't it. want to bring this stuff home yeah um i think i think it go, that goes back to um, the initial question of success, right? Mm-hmm. In my opinion, you run a successful business if you can paint such a vision and have such passion and, and vigor and uh, optimism for your business and show that by a track record and experience that other people will drop whatever they're doing mm-hmm. to use their expertise to help that dream grow. Yeah. That's like if you're a, a founder or CEO, that's the definition of success. This has nothing to do with the amount of money you're making and, like, who's pushing your product and mm-hmm. what, whatever. It just has to do with, like, can I get there with a team of people who also believe in everything that I believe in? Yeah. And the consequence of that should be increased earning power. Yep. That, that's just me. And I also think I wanted to say one other point you made where you were talking about having a team that then can bring you ideas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's so interesting because I think it's really easy to get so pigeonholed mm-hmm. when you are – your own boss and an entrepreneur and a founder, Mm -hmm. but the product also is so revolved around you. You know, a lot of entrepreneurs are either selling a product, whether Mm -hmm. it be clothing or food or, you know, whatever it may be. In our space, we are such a visceral point of (laughs) our product. Like, we are the product. We are the product. And so it's so easy to get wrapped up in your own mind of, 
no, this is how it should be done. This is me. This is blah, yeah. blah, blah. And, and either not recognize opportunities or not seek them out. And so I was talking to my friend about having, you know, like a board of advisors almost yeah. for Freckled Foodie. And we mm-hmm. meet maybe every two Even months. Even a personal board of advisors for yeah. yourself is great. Yes, true. <laughs> my therapist, number one. Um, but, you know, sitting down with them, they believe in what I'm creating. Mm-hmm. They want me to succeed. There's no level of, oh, I'm jealous. You know, they're fully here for it. And asking them, what do you like when I what did I put out? What is kind of, eh, that's not really you. You should probably stop doing all of that. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you seeing other accounts putting out that you love that you think I could maybe begin doing? I just think it's a really interesting idea that I'm contemplating right now. Uh-huh. And now as I say it, it's a no-brainer. So I just need to figure out who it's, that board is. <laughs> is. Well, definitely having a board of advisors is a is a no-brainer. But like when you give people autonomy to build and create, I think that gets them back to living to work instead of working to live. Yes. Right? Because like for me, coming to Harlem Capital or like going full-time, which I'll probably do fun too – like, I don't want to be the guy who's in the weeds doing all the financial stuff all the mm-hmm. time. I'm the guy who wants to plan the events. I'm the guy who wants to create the content. I'm the yep. guy who wants to put together the podcast. I'm the individual who's sourcing a lot of the, like, CPG, consumer, direct mm-hmm. DTC brands. You want to have the conversations. Right. So now that I'm able to do that, great. I'm back in the finance. Check me into the game, exactly. blah, blah, blah. But, like, if I had to do the other way where I'm just behind closed doors, I don't get to talk to anybody, I'm treated like a minion. Mm-hmm. Of course, I am like my product is shit. My attitude is shit. Like everything is just is 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 the worst. Um, and then one other point in just in terms of something that I, I always try to say uh, for creators or just like entrepreneurs in general, mm-hmm. like you have to be putting yourself out of business before someone else does. Yeah. So, for example, for Wall Street Paper, uh, I originally started in fashion. I made terrible money in fashion. Mm-hmm. There's no money in fashion unless you are the who's who. And you had to bend over backwards, huge vanity um, atmosphere. So I pivoted to lifestyle. So travel, tech, CPG, Big finance also. Yeah. Yeah. And in finance, like Bank of America is my biggest client. Yeah, that's what I was just looking at on your speech. My my biggest client. Bank of America is paying me better than I was getting paid as a banker. That's actually fucking hilarious. Right? <laughs> yes. And that's the, literally the definition of like living to work. Like, yes. yo, I get to live my life and now people get to pay me for the work that I want to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, of course I want to work with Bank of America. This is the best story of all time. It really is. <laughs> this is like less. Casey Morgan, are you listening to this? Come on. Yo, JP should yeah, honestly seriously. sponsor this podcast. I mean, I still use all, like, where I bank, <laughs> use all their cars. But you have to do that. So... I go to lifestyle and then I understand that photography is cool, but you're only getting a double tap and people are not getting touched as much. So why don't I focus on video? Mm-hmm. I start focusing on video. I was like, wow, how about I heighten the level of video that I'm doing instead of 60 seconds? Why don't I start to try to do full productions that are smaller, like five to 15 minutes? So that's the next the next okay. pivot for Wall Street Paper. Is Will that all be, live on IGTV or YouTube? Um, it'll be on Instagram to start. Mm-hmm. I think those will be the cedars. So yeah. I'll, we'll do like the Gary V model. If the episode's 10 minutes, we'll have that on YouTube. Whatever brand, say it's a Venmo, Bank of America, mm-hmm. whoever, can put ads behind it to push it. But we'll have like a small trailer. You have a trailer. Two or three trailers. Yeah. Instagram, we'll have Instagram stories, we'll have photography refinement. So you yeah. just take all this from that big hero content. You have like snackable and micro content yeah. that comes from that. 
but like I'm pitching the NBA right now on a awesome. on an idea. And here's the thing, like I said this earlier, you're going to move to so many different jobs mm-hmm. and you just never know what's going to happen. My buddy that I played club basketball with at Ohio State is now the head of business development for the NBA Players Association. I happen to meet his CEO at a conference. I come through. They're like, oh, yeah, we want to work on financial literacy and we want to work on content. I said, well, hey, Hello. guys, let me let me let me let's do it. He's like, oh, I'll call Neil in here. He'll, he'll. Neil comes in. I'm like, fam, what's good? <laughs> <laughs> it's such a small world. And so and then they just brought in a head of content and like me and Neil been working together for a while. And so now Neil is just really just handing it on a platter, already finished, mm-hmm. cooked, done, forking it to the head of content. And we're starting to talk about like, hey, man, could we really take this seriously? And um, they really want to promote what the athletes do off the court. Obviously, yeah. the NBA, that entity does that very well, what they do on the court. Mm-hmm. But yeah. the Players Association is supposed to represent all 450 and they don't get that much play. No. Not all four fifty. It's like, like everyone, ten to fifteen yeah, exactly. guys. Who everyone <laughs> knows like the top people, but then it's like what the hell is everyone else doing? Exactly. So it's it's an interesting thing and we're focusing on like sports, like esports. We're gonna be focusing on music, food, real estate, philanthropy, and like what all these it's talented cool. players are doing off the court. Yeah. Uh, so I'm excited about that. So like can be a producer of that and I plan to hire a team mm-hmm. f- who can do that full time. As I transition to go to Wall Street Paper full time, or sorry, to Harlem to Capital. Harlem Capital, yeah. And as I go to Harlem Capital, if we invest in really tight companies who happen to match some of the series we produce, product placement. Exactly, it's right? perfect. So if the next Beast by Dre, somehow I invest in the next competitor to Beast by Dre, you know that's going to be in one yeah. of them. Or I, feminine hygiene products, mm-hmm. we have, you know, maybe we do, we do an episode with a WNBA player too. Yeah. We'll have one of our founders on there. So I think it's really cool to um, to do more than one thing. And I think Elon Musk was like the biggest guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like Whitney from Bumble has been crushing it too, where yep. you can, you don't have to do one thing. You can do multiple things. You can do them damn well. And most likely you do it because you've, you have that team aspect of people who believe in your vision. Yeah. And they just want to run with things. Like this is not even your idea. You happen to be the face of the the company but the idea came from your av person or mm-hmm. it came from your head of content it came from the person who does all the events and yeah that helps you out but that helps the whole team out because that person now has uh experience they now own something at the company if yeah. you will and they're probably building a, a huge network definitely from running the point on all that stuff so we have to really think about the business in general is people Mm-hmm. That's the most valuable asset you, you ever Networking. are going to have are people. And it doesn't matter if you have a million or you had 10. There's a lot of 10-person companies that are crushing it. You think, oh, my Lord, Kylie had six employees. Um, yeah, that whole thing is <laughs> mind-blowing to me. Six employees, yo. I, I'm pretty sure. I mean, it's at least less than 10. I don't know, but it, I mean, yeah, she had less than ten of them, employees. The businesses they create just exited or had a liquidity event for fifty-one percent for six hundred million from Cody. And here's what I would say: Was she selling a lot of product? Probably so. Was she selling anywhere near six hundred million? Probably not even close. So it's like storytelling of your arc, the team you build, um, validation from the market. Mm-hmm. If you can 
put that all in a nice I'm I'm doing the the cook Cooking pot yeah. the cook pot motion if you put all that into your secret sauce you don't have to worry about earning power and you can just live and you can use all these things as tools and that's I want that to be the biggest takeaway from the podcast yeah. is that money is a tool mm-hmm. relationships are tools building an audience is a tool your narrative arc is a tool inviting building a vision for people to join on to is a tool developing people is a tool you yes. need all these tools to be remotely successful because if you don't create stuff that's valuable you will be replaced yeah i think about that all the time every time i'm putting something out i'm like what it, what value am i adding to anyone's mm-hmm. life by doing this and it's <laughs> no but really i love that like that like your face was just so key like who wants this shit yeah exactly <laughs> and when i think about it and i realize this is not adding value to anyone I take it off. Yeah. I, I go, I'm like, nope, that's not worth posting, This is not good for the squad. Yes. So wh- kind of switching gears, mm-hmm. but what would you say your favorite characteristic about yourself is? Being charismatic. That's my number one skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people think about networking and all this stuff in such a bad connotation. And mo- mainly because, one, your network's not bringing you any value. And yeah. that's probably because you're not bringing your network any value. It's the push-pull. Yep. It's like the, the laws of motion, man. You got to put something in motion to get something yeah. back. So I, I think, and I, I realized this when I was a banker. My second year, boss calls me, Andrew calls me in. He's like, hey, Brandon, come come into my office. Come into the office. Say, hey, Brandon, you are by far the most charismatic analyst that has ever come through these doors. Mm-hmm. Then he said, but this job is not for you. <laughs> you should have been in sales and trading, buddy. <laughs> this job is not for you. You should be client-facing, maybe wealth management, and I'll be helpful for you. But the, you you shouldn't be behind yeah. the desk doing this, that, and other. And that was right when I was like really figuring out, like trying to take Wall Street paper to the next level and find some mm-hmm. s- symmetry and work-life balance and stuff like that. And so I did that. Over the last few years, got that together. That was probably 2013, 2014 when I was told that. And now I understand that, like, that's my secret power. My secret power, like, in the venture space, that's called being platform. Platform is, like, how can you help companies outside of just Mm -hmm. investing capital? Yep. Or how can you help your company outside of just money? Yeah. And that's usually through, like, events, community building, through storytelling, um, and through hiring and like introducing people to mm-hmm. potential candidates and stuff like that. So I'm like, yo, like this is something I can own and I can still be in a space and I could be very, very valuable. Mm-hmm. So if you are not the most technical person, um, or vice versa, if you're not the most outspoken person, like you can work on, you just work on your craft. Yeah. And what you, I hope what you find out is like, this is worth so- something to somebody and really start to understand exactly the product market fit of your desired community. And then as you work on that craft, you can build like this competitive mode. I say that a lot for companies. What's your competitive mode? Why can't someone else just pull up and make another uh, feminine hygiene product company? Mm-hmm. What's that to your part? Right. Why can't someone just come up and steal your investment deal? Why can't someone just come up and we just did a, um, a partnership with Facebook and in Oakland where we had a cool event with engineers, investors, and founders. And like, why can't someone else just do that? 
Mm-hmm. And if you can start to prove why no one's relationships, no one's intel, and no one's like pulse yeah. on the audience or community, or no one has the skills to create the things you can create, you got some. Definitely. And I think I feel that in the sense of telling my story when I am approached by a brand about working together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's always over email. My first response, if I really want it, Jump on let's a call. get on the phone. <laughs> I need to pitch myself because that is what sets me apart. Mm. You and don't have an agent. It might not be. No, I don't. Mm. It's something I'm considering. I was actually going to ask you about it off air. Yeah, or we should on air, but you should definitely get an agent. I was introducing my, my agent is like stingy a little bit. I love mm. you, Jesse, <laughs> but she she's she's like time is money for her, and she's like, mm. yo, if you don't have a hundred thousand, or I kept sending her people. She's like, people with a hundred thousand is probably the baseline, unless you're like, yeah, just. You have other intangibles, other yeah. competitive moats that are really crushing it for you. But um, yeah, it's something I'm considering. You should. But I, either way, the first thing I say is like, let's get on the phone. Let's because jump on the phone. And it might not be my story. Might not be a fit for them. That's fine. But that's how I. It's good reps too. Apart. Muscle memory is huge. Like if you can continue oh gosh, to learn so how much. to pitch yourself, and like brands usually tell you what they want. Yeah. So if they tell you what they didn't want, they're like, oh, here's what I would actually need. You don't have that right now. Mm-hmm. The next time you talk to someone similar to that brand, hopefully you have it. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. People don't want to get their hands dirty out here. Yeah. Unfortunately. And we haven't talked anything about food, which is fine because my show, you know, my platform on Instagram is primarily focused mm-hmm. on food. But on here, it's really just having conversations with people that I'm interested by who I think are knowledgeable and kick ass. And I want to share their knowledge with my fan base and audience. But now regarding Food. Food. Also, do you live in Harlem? So I recently just moved. Sorry, I three just, of the like, four. Totally no, no. random, but I was going to ask three about of the a four live in. Harlem. Harlem. Well, I mean, I know Otto. I've been in Harlem for five years. Fumo or Fumo? Fumo, is, Fumo it, yeah. Is my sister and her husband's like favorites? I mean, yeah, he used the to pasta live there. Is just he used to remarkable. live in Harlem, and they went like once a week. It's their like favorite place in the world. So I've been. It's pasta very good. and pizza there is remarkable. It's delicious. But what would you say the three ways to your heart through food are? Um. So, and yeah, I live in Brooklyn by the Barclays. Okay, so, and so now yeah. Fifth Ave by Park Slope is like my stumbling ground. Yeah. There's so much There's good so food. There's so much there. Park Slope is just, I mean, Fort Greene too. Mm-hmm. It's pretty amazing. Uh, but three ways is to get to my heart through food or food adjacent mm-hmm. things. Number one is just like home, home cooked meals. Yep. Like that's a way to just still the kids heart yeah i'm with you um and i think my girlfriend now has figured that out <laughs> um pasta is another way like if you look at date night dishes mm-hmm. say there's 50 35 of them are pastas yeah <laughs> like, yeah so like pasta is my my thing if you like one at one dish for yeah the i kid, was gonna say what's your favorite type of pasta though my favorite time is I'm either very just like original with spaghetti and meatballs mm-hmm. or I'm looking at some fettuccine or shrimp linguine, sorry. Ooh, shrimp linguine has like become something that I, I'm really liking quite a bit. And I think the third way to get to my heart through food is a way I'm doing it right now, actually. I meet so many really cool people. Mm-hmm. Um, or I bump into people and wearing like wearing coats and pants and stuff like this. Everyone just stops you and asks you questions because you look fashionable, right? <laughs> yeah, and that's how I started the vlog because people kept asking me questions. I'm like, yeah. yo, I'm mad tired. I really like that jacket. Thank you. I just created it. 
Really? Uh, I actually just came from the, the tailor shop this morning. Not Very the, cool. like we were we're creating two more jackets right now, uh, and I, they're only for me. I just yeah, that's my personal passion. Um, but the third way is I think hosting dinners. Mm-hmm. So I met, I had a buddy of mine who I interned with, and then he met this like awesome athlete. Joe Harris, who plays for the Brooklyn Nets. Mm-hmm. And we just kept meeting up and talking about business. And when we were talking about business and real estate and over a beer, we kept suggesting people that we all should meet. Yeah. Then we said, hey, why don't we just like get a, get a dinner together? And so we got a dinner together and we had like 10, 15 people. It was super dope. And then we like named the dinner. It's called the Conglomerate. You should come by. Oh my God, I would love to. January, probably be our next one. Okay. And, um, and you learn a lot of things from hosting people. You learn, especially if you host people from different like backgrounds, ethnicities, mm-hmm. and stuff. When it first started, you're hosting a bunch of finance guys, yeah, mainly white finance guys who are fine spending two hundred bucks for mm-hmm. a dinner because they just want to put on Instagram and say they're cool and shit. But once you start inviting people of color and women, that's not what they want to do. Yeah. They don't want to come to this steakhouse and spend 200 bucks. No, they want good fucking food <laughs> in, like, someone's home, cozy, right. mm-hmm. and, like, time to actually chat yeah. and connect. And they want to choose their food lots of times. Like, we weren't, we were just saying, hey, bring out whatever you think is great. And so I became the person who really focused on people of color and women. And then I became the person who invited the majority of the people who came. Mm-hmm. And then I started understanding, like, oh, like, this is part of my skill. Yeah, you you bring people together, which and is I'm, a great skill. I'm charismatic about it. Mm-hmm. I just attract people into my orbit. And I honestly hate doing one-on-one things because it's just a waste of time, unless it has a media component to scale. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, how about I just start, anytime I meet someone cool, I just invite them to dinner next month. And so we're humans by, by nature, or we reciprocate by nature because we're human. So even though I invite you to dinner, I might say a few words to you. I introduce you and promote you big time, mm-hmm. and you connect with someone at the dinner because I know everyone. Yeah. And now you feel indebted to me for some random reason, and now you want to invite someone to the next dinner, or you want to do business okay, together. Do you, yeah. My friend does something very similar, this thing called Builders, um, mm. and they host like events and similar stuff like that, just getting really – maybe on a bigger scale. I yeah. think they usually have a larger – conglomerate of people but i think it's you know i'm part of this samsung squad that's why i'm Mm -hmm. able to do this podcast here and we had a dinner at zz's clam bar two weeks ago probably three i don't know whenever recently and it was just squad members and there were 10 maybe people there i had met one before and we're all in different aspects Mm -hmm. we all work in new york in some type of creative industry but you know there's myself there's um a woman who started a media company called young black and fabulous oh yeah yeah um Mm -hmm. there is there are like fitness male influencers (laughs) there are podcasters whatever we sat down and it was truly one of the best dinners i've had in a very long time Mm -hmm. because it was just such an open conversation about what we're doing what we're learning advice what we're seeking and sitting Next to someone who I'd never met before and left feeling like I knew everything about their life. It's, I think it's super dope. And so even I, it's the reason why I don't start a lot of things or why I don't do one-on-ones because I get sucked into things and I want to scale them. Yeah. So now that I'm doing the dinners and I fixed the problem of like it being just like all white male finance guys, mm-hmm. 
I'm now like, yo, I want to like almost even more control the people who come through. Yeah. And I want to create content from it. And it's hard to do that because you have to get a private room and you have it's, to do and this. And then it gets so expensive. Yeah. yeah. And I don't want to turn this into a business exactly. where having, you got to have people promote it. So I was like, all right, my next move is to get a bigger place next year. Mm-hmm. Get a bigger place. My girlfriend loves to cook. Yeah. And she loves to be creative and stuff like that. She's an accountant. So she like loves to do anything outside of mm-hmm. being an accountant. So I was like, oh, we could like buy a nice printer and print off the like table sets. Yeah. Of like, here's the first course. Here's the second course. I think about this all the time. Like, I would love to do this in my apartment, but my dinner table seats five. Yeah. I know. You can still do it five. Like, I, know. I just want to do, I probably get, a, I want to get a place that, or a uh, spot deck. I can set up like probably 10 to 12. That's what I would love. That's my dream. And I'll just have a photographer and videographer do every one. Mm-hmm. I can control the lighting. We can like, it can, and it's, there's a big difference from doing a dinner at a restaurant and a dinner in your totally. living room. Well, you tell me when and I'm there. Yeah. And I think we can also have like chefs can pop up. Or yeah. Like, you know what I'm well, saying? Or people yeah, who know how chefs. to cook who are not exactly. chefs. Yeah. I, assume I can help you. you. I, about to say, yeah. I assume you know how to cook really <laughs> well. I'm with you then. So if you knew how to cook, like. <laughs> yes. So I think, I don't know. that Again, folks, you I don't think people can do these things when you're working to live. No. <laughs> like when you're working to live, like, oh, yeah, I would love to get a bigger place. And, and like, host, all these host people, people for, dinner. for dinner. Yeah, exactly. And like spend money on it. <laughs> where I was like, for me, it's like, I here's the other thing. I definitely set aside 10% of my income for me. Mm-hmm. So I don't like I just bought a new AirPod the AirPod Pros today. No guilt. Yeah, none. None. Zero. Got the new iPhone. 11. Zero guilt. I want to get. Them. You know what I'm saying? You can upgrade your seat when you're flying. Maybe you travel on a trip. Maybe you have some friends over and you you cover you dinner. Treat everyone. But the point is, like, create. We say this at Harlem Capital quite a bit. People create processes, and processes run companies. Right. But you can still say that for yourself. You can create processes and and stuff for your life Mm -hmm. and they can run your life and you can check and balance everything. And I do that with my finances because I'm like, yo, I want to put this there, there. So what am I fine letting go into my high yield interest account? What Mm -hmm. am I fine letting go on acorns? What am I fine putting away for an emergency account? And then I'm just going to automate all that stuff. I'll look once or twice a month and then. Hopefully, 10 years from now, I'm just a lot better off. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm better than my parents. Prayer and wish. I'm better than some of these other folks who may not wait until 35. Mm-hmm. And in my head, we're, now that we've got LPs or LPs are limited partners, yeah. your investors in your fund, now that you've got billionaires who invest in your company or big institutions, they kind of, by nature, talk about the things that they do and they rub off on you. And you're like, wow, like rich people just don't like losing money. No, my God, no. They don't have to have 20x opportunities and yeah. billion dollar exit. They're like, hey, we're not losing this. Okay. Mm-hmm. You got $10. We need at least 11 next month. Yeah, <laughs> like, once you have it, you do not want to fucking lose it. So I, I don't know. I think that's an interesting way to think about, yeah. think about life. I agree. Thank you so much for being on here. This was such a pleasure to get to know you, but also to share your insights and stories with my Mm -hmm. audience. I really appreciate it. Um, Everything will be in the show notes, but everyone can follow you on Wall Street Paper on Instagram. Wall Street Paper. Also, check out Harlem Harlem Capital. Capital. Um, Perfect. 
Yeah, and the, and the websites are just both. Yeah, like, it'll all be in there. Yeah. Don't you So worry. it's super, super easy. If you guys know anyone who's listening is a young founder who is uh, looking to fundraise yeah. for a startup, um, feel free to reach out. Brandon at Harlem.Capital. There is no com. It's just Harlem.Capital. <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, we're just focused on and, and I'll say this part. We are focused on founders who are building something that's interesting, something mm-hmm. that's scalable. They're doing revenue between a hundred and probably five hundred thousand in revenue. Okay. So we help you grow, not get off the ground. Got it. Um, but we love to meet people early. Yeah. We love to help and we love to track and follow and introduce people to our network. So super excited and food and bev is an interesting category yeah i assume there's a lot of food and bev folks here yeah we can chat about that um so i'm interested in that category and i'm excited so uh reach out yeah and thank you oh you're so for the opportunity someone who's shooting their shot from uh so funny you see another airpods oh yeah (laughs) airpod competitors yeah um but someone who shot their shot from uh a talk yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, I like this guy. I should have him on. Twitter, Instagram, DM. email. Folks, if you're not shooting your shot a polite and respectful way, yeah, then you're losing. I agree. <laughs> Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. I thoroughly hope you enjoyed it. If you could be so kind, I would greatly appreciate a rate and or review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. Currently, this one's available on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please subscribe to make sure you're up to date with new episodes coming at you every Friday morning. If once a week isn't enough of me, please follow along on my most active social channel, Instagram. Find me, my unedited videos, recipes, random rants, and info for all my other social channels on there at Freckled Foodie.